0: Well, we've had a lot of moving parts to this sermon, to this service, and to this sermon as well, and you'll see what I mean in just a few moments, but uh, we have several people who are uh, here on assignment, and the reason that they are on assignment is because I'm on assignment. Pastor Gordon, before he left, by the way, they have taken uh, a cruise, they left from uh, Rome, and taking a cruise, a Mediterranean cruise, going to Greece. And uh, just think of how much better his preaching is going to be, you know, because he's, he's walked where, where the Apostle Paul has walked, and, and, and that's going to be great. But um, he gave me this assignment, and he said, Paul, your assignment is Sunday number two, and it has to do with our church's history. And oh, by the way, it is Father's Day, so fit that in somehow. (laughs) Well, that's very easy to do. Because you see, in order to know our story as a church, you must know the redemptive heart of God. Jesus said to the crowds, In John 6.40, For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. It's interesting, this Father heart of God. If we're not careful, and this has happened all through the ages, people who think that they have this great concept of nice Jesus, bad father, I don't know if you ever heard that, but uh, it's been going on from the inception of, of uh, the church where people would get hung up upon the God of the Old Testament, or they would, as I remember being a kid, going to a church where it was Jesus only. I don't know what they did with the other two, but it was Jesus only. And, uh, and so I was reminded of the fact that as a 12-year-old boy, Jesus had been left behind in Jerusalem after his folks had started home, and they had celebrated Passover. And the story goes that uh, they couldn't find him. They thought he was with relatives, and, and uh, finally, after three days, they, they, they come, and, and, and they find him sitting uh, among the religious teachers in the temple in Jerusalem, and the scripture says, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. <laughs> Just like all parents, huh? Anyway, son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father, father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Now, these are the only words we have of Jesus uh, as a child, only words we have before he started his ministry at age 30. Think of that. He says, But why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Scripture uh, that I learned, King James Version says, Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? Jesus heard his father much later as he begins his his ministry, his Father declares to him as he is baptized, You are my dearly beloved Son, and you bring me great joy. And so it's not one or the other. The Heavenly Father, the Father Heart of God, beat within the heart of the Son, Jesus, our Savior. And that same heartbeat we must have it's the gift of eternal life that becomes the focus of all we do. Well, once we understand that it is the Father's heart that made all this possible for you and for me, my, my salvation, your salvation, we go to the next point that in order to know our story as a church, you must see that redemptive heart of God in the history of Mission Church. Scripture says this, God raised Jesus from the dead. This is Acts 2, 33. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted in the place of highest honor in heaven, at God's right hand. And the Father, Jesus had no confusion about the Father. The Father, as he promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see and hear today. Those are the words of Peter as he was proclaiming the great message after Pentecost. Well, there's that assignment that I'm still thinking about. Okay. History of the church. Father's Day. How in the world am I going to make that come together? Well, it's going to be rather easy. And I have several people who are going to come and help me. And we have some slides to help uh, along the way. And so let's begin those slides. And uh, I'm going to have our first story uh, be told by Beverly Horton. So, Ed, if you'll uh, get things ready there and and help Beverly as uh, she comes up here. And she has some, uh, some stories to tell us. This is the original building. And... This goes way back to uh, 1915, and this was actually, well, she might share a few things about these buildings. I don't know. We'll see if she will or not, but uh, <laughs> come ahead. What did you tell me about this building, that this was begun gun?
1: that old. No, no. Well, I couldn't tell. And...
0: But tell me. Originally, from what I
2: was told—now this is hearsay, okay—that this building actually was down here on Mission Gorge, actually where the uh, trolley station is now. And in 19, uh, about 1960, 59 or 60, uh, that building, well. Okay, it moved, to, it moved to University Avenue. Okay. We started then to University Avenue. Okay. But in 1960, that was the first Chinese church of the Nazarene, wow. that building. I learned something. That's just right down here. Okay. <laughs> so we didn't go very far, did we? <laughs>
0: so. Keep going. We have a picture now of this, and you have your story that involves all of this.
2: Good morning. My name is Beverly Conrad Horton, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to share my time at University Avenue in the 50s and 60s. Uh, some of you have, may not realize that our church was originally University Avenue on uh, 4101 University, and then we moved down here, and it was Mission Valley, now it's Mission. So uh, so we are University Avenue, Mission Valley, Mission Church of the Nazarene. Put that out front. Yeah. Okay. Um, some of you have seen the pictures that are in the foyer that's projecting the uh, history of uh, our church. And the one that I'm going to talk about first is the picture of the bus ministry. And you'll see four buses. There they are. Yeah. There they are. And um my dad and my uncle were bus drivers. And I can see my mom and dad right there. Do you see them? <laughs> right that's, that's problem. I'll get my magnifying glass out later. But you can see there is really a mess of kids. And every Sunday morning the bus drivers would go out in the neighborhood there in just uh, around University Avenue. And pick up about 120 kids Mm. and uh, bring them for Sunday school. Now, we don't know what happened to most of those kids or what the influence of the church was at that time, except for one person that we know. And her name was Patty Maxwell. And some of you know Patty Maxwell. Well, after we moved down here and the bus ministry went away, Patty did not give up. ...on her church. She came. And she was very faithful. She was uh, the bookkeeper, accountant for the preschool. So some of you would know her through preschool. But she always kept faithful and blessing the church with her service. Amen. So today I actually want to um, honor, um, this is Father's Day, my dad and my uncle... And, uh, (laughs) okay, I've lost my place. Uh, They served in the church. Uh, We came, started in um, University Avenue in 1950. And they served as the bus drivers. They served on the church board. They were ushers. They were teachers. My mom and dad were youth sponsors. And they always served wherever they were asked. And I want to thank my mom and dad yeah. for raising me in the Nazarene church. Amen. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Sometimes we get emotional about stuff like that. <clears throat> there's another picture that's out there that uh, you may have seen. And there's a bunch of people that are sitting in the pews. And there's people standing in the back. And that was taken on the side of the church on University Avenue. And all of those people were Vacation Bible School staff. Mm. And I counted, and there's like 60 people. Well, if there's 60 people that were staff, think how many kids we served. Wow. That was a lot of kids. But if you also look closer, there are uh, people... Of many generations I was probably one of the youngest And I was 15 in that picture But there are people that are My age now <laughs> That are in that picture And they were in their 80s But they were serving In the church they were, Those ladies were making the, the cookies And the punch That were served every day There's always a place for you to serve No matter what your age is Do you get my point?
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: oh. Okay. Good. I got that one right. Okay. Good.
0: Good. Thank you.
2: Um, the the uh, beautiful thing about that you are never too old to serve, and there's many things that you can do where God guides, He provides.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Great. Okay, uh, we're going to have, uh, at this time, uh, we're going to have Claudine come and share a little bit, and uh, just come over here, Claudine, and and they'll help you get up uh, there. She she said she had her cane, but, uh, you know, I still wanted her to have some help here. Oh, she's going to come up over here. Okay, okay.
1: Okay. Thank
0: you. Welcome. Now, you started, and I'm going to let you hold that, and they want you to hold it about right there. Tell us when you started in this church and then some of the ministries that you were involved in, if you will, Claudine.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't remember when I started in this church because I was in utero. My mother came when she was expecting me, and so this is the only church that I have attended my entire life. Wow. And the other day, for some reason, it got to playing around in my head that I had never at any point in my life... Considered not being part wow. of this church. This has been my family, my home, my entire life. Yeah. Um, I did spend four years at Pasadena Nazarene College. Um, but I never got tied into a church because it wasn't my church. <laughs> My church was in San Diego, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. and the, it has been part of my life, my entire life, um, from babyhood. Before whatever I was.
0: <laughs> so you were here when the move took place? Is that? Oh right? mercy! I was here long before well, that. Well, let's at least let's <laughs> at least get there to the. the, the Remodeled University Avenue. Yes. um,
1: In fact, they started the remodeling the Monday after Lee and I had our wedding there on Saturday (laughs) night. Uh, They held off, (laughs) knocking the end out of the building until after the wedding was complete. (laughs) So, you know, that was was a good thing. And uh, <laughs> we came back, and the church was torn up.
0: <laughs> now, you you had a lot of ministry, but one of the things I remember, and uh, a lot of pictures, you were involved in the drama ministry, a lot of other ministries, but this was, I think, after we moved here that the drama ministry really took off. Is that right?
1: And, yeah, it uh, started at University Avenue. Okay. Um, Sharon Strawn was very interested in drama and was very good at organization and pushing things through. <laughs> um
0: maybe if you it was of, it
1: was such a joy to do that. And you if know? you'd
0: come out of your shell, maybe <laughs> maybe you could be an actress.
1: Yes, well the first uh play that they did, they did without me. And uh I thought wonder if I could do that. That looks interesting. Do you remember Evelyn Colvin? She told Sharon that she would play the part of Aunt Abby in Arsenic and Old Lace, oh. but then her husband got more sick and needed her more, and she decided she had to bow out, and um, Sharon called me. And I said, well, (laughs) there's one way to find out. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, then that went on for another, what, 20, 25 years. Well,
0: how about your dad? Now, what what influence did your father have?
1: Okay, my dad uh, was a music guy, and he was always involved in the music of this church. Uh, back when the congregation was part of the music of the church. Is there, um, a, hint? Is
0: there a hint in that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's more than that, but we won't, we won't bother to get into it. Uh, but he played a guitar and sang. Um, they would sometimes practice at our home, and uh, I would sing along in the background, to sing harmony in the background. And, of course, I wasn't too old before I started in with other teens uh, having a trio or a whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we sang for the congregation and continued in that and were a part of the church, a part of the activities of the church. And, you know, I never considered, well, I told you, I never considered leaving and going anywhere else. This was my home. Yes. This was my church, and this is where I had things to do, thank you. Yes, um, I'll blame it on my mother actually getting it all started because when I was three, she started in the early fall reading to me the second chapter of Matthew and read it and read it and read it. And come the Christmas program... They put me on the platform, and I started saying the second chapter of Matthew. Now, I was told by the pastor, Nicholas Hull, um, that I wandered all over the place and went and looked under the tree to see if <laughs> any I could, you know see what was going on over there under the Christmas tree. And I just kept saying the second chapter of Matthew wherever I went. (laughs) And my mother was in the front row so she could coach me if I got off base. (laughs) Yeah. So I didn't just do plays in my 40s and 50s. Okay. I started on the platform at age three. Okay.
0: <laughs> and you taught? You taught Sunday school? You served? Oh, in so I many taught other Sunday areas. school,
1: yeah, for yeah. A, a lot of years because I was born knowing I was going to be a teacher. And I wanted to be an elementary school teacher, which I did for 37 years. And uh, I have stayed in the classroom all these years. I keep outlasting my students, you see. (laughs) They keep dying and going to heaven and leaving me behind. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) And I just lose Sunday school class after Sunday school class. Oh,
0: God bless you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Didn't you do a great job? Let's take uh, a few moments to go on to the next slide, if you will. And this is a significant slide because it brings us to uh, the location where we're at right now. And uh, you can see that uh, building there, there are a lot of parts of it that we have now that we didn't have then. And uh, this has really been... Uh, pretty powerful. Along the way, as I understand it, uh, if you're just new here, you might not know this piece, but uh, after we uh, uh, did had this uh, part of our campus, we also uh, bought uh, the Youth for Christ building, which was above us. See where it says Youth for Christ, right up there? Well, we changed that sign. The next uh, slide will show it. And... Uh, it became uh, well, I guess what do we have the education building, yeah, church of the nazarene there there we go and um, and then uh, I believe the next slide shows something of the education building being added, and a lot of you by this time were involved in this type of activity and uh, and so uh, we uh, we come to our our next speaker, and uh, Ed, if you'll come at this time, he's going to explain a little bit uh, about uh, the next slide that we have, uh, which is this sanctuary right here. You came from where? Uh,
3: first of all. Um... The following comments do not necessarily express the opinions or the policies of the General Church of the Nazarene, the Southern California the District <laughs> Church of the Nazarene, the Mission Church of the Nazarene, its pastor, its board, or its staff. Ever since the incident, I'm going yeah. to say that. Okay. Um, I, I would say I grew up in Texas, but many of you know that is not true. I was raised in Texas, uh, Fort Worth, and to tie a little history. To getting me here, Barb and I started coming here in the late 90s. Our son had started coming here because of the youth program. Uh, we were still attending Spring Valley Church at the time. Eventually worked ourselves out of our positions and our responsibilities there and, uh, ended up here at Mission Valley. The pastor of my church in Fort Worth, when I was growing up, the very first one I remember was a man named Leon Weiss, yeah. who eventually became the pastor at University Avenue Church, when they purchased this property here. The second pastor I remember was Ivan Counter. He followed Leon Weiss. A lot of you know Mark Counter, who was uh, on staff here at this church for a while. And uh, the counters, when they left Fort Worth, ended up at the Spring Valley Church which was a church plant, if I remember correctly, from the University Avenue Church. Yes, that's right. So, Leon Weiss, Ivan Counter, University Avenue, Domitian Valley, and Spring Valley. Spring Valley is where I met my wife, convinced her I was an okay catch, and so (laughs) 45 years later, we're here today. Uh, So the history of how God can bring you around is definitely there. Yes. Uh, At Spring Valley, I had served on boards. I had been on building programs. I had done some mission trips local and around, and so I had done my time. And when we came here, I just wanted to be a part of the church and support and help. When they sold the building upstairs with the plan to come down here, every year I would get the little card that says, Hey, your name's been called out by our nominating committee. Would you like to serve on the board? And i I don't think so. When uh, they were going to do the building, I went to Scott Peterson, who was the pastor, and I said, hey, if you're really going to do this, I'll let my name run. And if I'm elected, I would like to be responsible for the building, and it's on two conditions. All the bad things that happened were my fault, and all the good things that happened were your idea." And he laughed and we talked and I said, no, they can't fire me. So, <laughs> you will never make everyone happy and we'll get through this, but if, if I'm elected to the board, uh, I will do that with you. Scott and I became very, very good friends. Uh, it was the closest I'd ever worked with Sharon Strawn, a guy like Paul Kinsman. Susan Brownlee, I was amazed. She, she became one of my favorite people during that. She was very smart. And, uh, and always brought us back to a center point of things when we would get a little out of hand. So uh, that is my connection to Mission Valley and how I got there to here. And your father, how did he influence you? Okay, my father uh, goes, my mother's dad was a Baptist Uh, They were raised Baptists. Those churches back in the small towns in Texas did not have full-time pastors, and so the deacons of the Baptist church would speak on different Sundays. So my grandfather on my mother's side spoke at church, was a pastor or a preacher, if you will. My dad's dad was a United Methodist circuit minister in East Texas, which meant he always had four or five churches. If you went to stay there during the summer, you would be... At a different church every Sunday. And he would move around and preach at these different churches. And through my grandfathers and through my father, it was more than just coming to church and paying your tithe and taking on a job. It was about supporting the church, the people of the church, the pastors of the church, doing the right thing by them and protecting them, praying for them, looking out for their needs. So that was my tie to wanting to support Scott at that time. Paul used the word churchmanship this week. He said, when we're talking, I'm going to ask you about that. And so I thought I knew what the word meant. So I did look it up. It has some pretty unique meanings in it and everything. But I still will go with what my gut feeling about churchmanship is. And that's about supporting the pastor, supporting the board, the staff, the people of the church, the body of the church. It's, and it sometimes includes taking care of the building and painting and putting lights in, but it's a whole lot more.
0: Thank you so much. Good I job. I'll you on.
3: Yeah. I'll.
0: Some of the churches that uh, came out of our church were church plants, uh, included one that... Uh, Uh, We adopted later on about Rancho Hills, but uh, we had several of our people who uh, came to us from Rancho Hills, and I've asked Kelly to come, share a little bit about uh, what happened there and how they became a part of our fellowship here, and uh, I I knew her dad in college. In fact, he and I, uh, he and her parents, uh, uh, we attended the same church, Temple City Church of the Nazarene when they were in college. But uh, that influence of her father as well.
2: Yeah.
4: What's so fascinating about today is if you saw Jeremy Watkin and Molly Unverzop on each side of me, we all came from Rancho Hills together. We all met in college. And it was because of them and and friends who were in college at the time starting that church together that we all met. And we kind of found ourselves here in 2008. So we've been here 13 years, John and I, my husband John, who runs sound at the back, and our three children. Um, For any of you who don't know, I'm a PK. My dad was a Nazarene pastor, went to Point Loma Pasadena College. And then my husband and I went to Point Loma, and we never left San Diego, and I'm so glad we didn't. And we actually weren't really gung-ho about going to a small plant church. That sounded stressful, like, you know, you have to do all the work. (laughs) Um, So we weren't really crazy about going um, at first, but my sister was there, and we just had so many like-minded people, so many similar ages. We just decided to go, and Darren Pitcher was the pastor at the time, and he was Phenomenal. And I ended up getting the opportunity to lead a Bible study with Nell Jones and Dolores Chandler, which I hope that's the last name. I'm yes, okay. I learned from them even though I was supposed to be teaching. Um, I was teaching women three times my age and I taught that Bible study for almost six years and they taught me how to dive into the word and um, Jeremy was my mentor with leading worship. I had not done it before. It was part of my family, um, what we did, but um, so when we landed here in 2008, it was a little bit of a tough thing. Rancho Hills didn't survive, if you will. It was kind of crushing and sad, and and it was hard. And it took us a couple of years to find our footing here. We had being a PK and then going to a plant church, you're in everything. You do it all. And to come to a church of 800 where you didn't really have anything to do was weird. And it took me a long time, and I was able to kind of find my footing back in teaching Bible study and leading, and then here I am on staff. And my children have—honestly, the reason we stayed with our children were hooked. The minute we walked into this place and met Chipo and Beverly Cook, Chipo maquaqua Literally, our children were like, We aren't going anywhere else. And we were looking. <laughs> and we were, they were, they were hooked. And it was because of them that our children have grown up in such an amazing community and being on the, the district of the Nazarene district camps and all the things that they've been able to accomplish here and, and become um, adults. I have three, our three children are, um, Clarissa is 20, Kaya is 19, who are both at Point Loma, and then our son Jackson is 17. So, it's, it's very weird to be in that space, but it's also amazing that this community, we had no idea we needed it when we came here um, 12 years ago.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. Great job, each one of these. It's interesting how our histories come together. I got to thinking about the first time that I attended here. I thought it was in 2001. But I was wrong. It was possibly 1949. Depends on which sister I talked to. But uh, we lived in Yuma. My dad had an assignment to come over and work on North Island. Airplane mechanic. And uh, he had been working over here. And all of a sudden, my mom got lonely kids needed their daddy, and so uh, my two sisters, my brother and I, along with our mom, uh, came over in a 1934 Oldsmobile, Gucci, I think we called her, but uh, one of those cars at that time, it wasn't gasoline, you know, miles per gallon, but it was oil, how many miles could you get on a quart, and it took us, I think, nine or ten hours to get from Yuma, here. But one thing I knew is that, uh, according to my sisters and my mom knew this, if we were going to find Dad, we didn't even know where he was. Uh, but we knew he would probably be attending church somewhere. And sure enough, he was a part of, of uh, University Avenue, had been attending for a few weeks. And I think my, my, my first entrance into this church uh, fellowship was maybe three or four weeks, and then we moved out to El Cajon, started attending out there. But I, I say that to you because it's interesting, just the hand of God and how he leads us and guides us. And, uh, and, and so as, as we think about all of these who have been a part of the ministry of this church, those who have been the leaders of this church, we come to the third point. Once you know our story, once you know our story, you must involve yourself in the redemptive work of God. Wherever he sends you, for those of you who might be watching on live stream, may our story inspire you to serve the Lord wherever you find yourself. As I think of this passage of scripture that I'm going to share with you, it defines what I would want for our church. For us to be a a dynamic church in the same manner that the church of Colossae was. And here are the verses that uh, I read. Verse 3, starting uh, in in chapter 1. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from the confident hope that God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your life. From the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. So it is for us. We hear. We hear the good news of the gospel. Our lives are changed. And then no telling where we go. We talked about church plants. Some of them didn't make it as a church. I'd like for us to change all of that. I think of the opportunities that we, we have in the future to begin new churches. One thing that we learned about, uh, well, about our ability to have church services is that we've got a bunch of tents we could use to start a whole bunch of churches, let me tell you. <laughs> but who knows what God wants to do through us through the language groups that we see uh, uh, being a part of the San Diego area all the time. Uh, perhaps there are our cities that we need to go back into that we left years ago. But here's one thing I know. If we're going to be the kind of church that Jesus died for, it's going to be the kind of church that is sent out from this place. And so I look forward to the fact that God is going to use us in powerful ways. You see, the problem with history is that we're facing the wrong way. God wants us to face forward to the future. And uh, the truth is, we need to ask the question, what now? To get an adequate answer to what now, you need to change the word history just a little bit and make it his story. The message of salvation through Christ. God is calling. And hopefully hopefully he's calling our young people, our our teens. He's calling young adults. He's calling people to to come and, and serve, to go and serve. We have one final picture to show you. And uh, I'd like for that to be put up on the screen at this time. But uh, picture the cops. Uh, Dan Cop, went to be with the Lord last Friday. Uh, had suffered uh, through uh, cancer, uh, well, for most of the year. And uh, the word came that uh, he had passed away. And, and we want to honor him. Uh, Dan had served as, as youth pastor here. Uh, over at University Avenue and then uh, was called to be our pastor here at this church uh, and and did so for, I believe, 11 years before he became a district superintendent. And uh, I don't know if our pastor Gordon is watching this, but I want him to ignore the fact that most of the pastors that have served here uh, some period of time have gone on to be district superintendents, so whatever that would mean to him, I'm not sure. But I say that because God is using us, has used uh, Dan in a powerful way. He was, uh, uh, went eventually, uh, after Arizona, being DS there, to work at uh, our, our headquarters in, in supporting clergy, and uh, pastors, and so uh, we want to honor him and remember his family right now uh, as they're grieving the loss here on earth, but they anticipate, of course, his heavenly home, that someday they'll join him there, just as you will. Many of you have lost your fathers over the years, as I have, and uh, there's coming a day when we be reunited once again. And so we want to just uh, take this time to praise God for for our fathers and to praise God for the influence that they've had on our lives. And we're going to close our service with this prayer. And so I'd like for you, if you will, to stand with me. And uh, we're just going to uh, pray for the family of uh, Dan Cop. But I want to pray for you as fathers. I want to pray that God would... would guide and direct us and inspire us from the stories that we can remember of our own fathers, that God would use that testimony, their faith, and our faith as well. Heavenly Father, how thankful we are for these great stories, stories of uh, generation upon generation serving you. We do remember the Cop family, that you would be with them right now. Comfort them in their loss. And yet as the testimonies have rung through, at least on Facebook that I've seen, they're so grateful to have had a godly father, a godly husband, one that would pray for them. May our children and grandchildren have those same types of memories. A dad, a grandpa, someone who inspired them to serve you. And so as we talk about your story, Jesus, we pray that it would continue on and on from this point. And so we've heard about the past, But forgetting those things which are behind, we want to press on to the future for all that you have for us. And may this be a great day of celebration with our fathers. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. The Lord bless you.